When the sun shines high, Christmas lights are unneeded. In the darkness of winter, Christmas lights and Christmas joy are bright and loud and beautiful and needed. It has always been this way. As easy as it may be to imagine the first Christmas through a sparkly and sentimental lens, with some Unitarian ministress plinking trite melodies on the piano's most annoying keys, to imagine a beloved young bride holding a fat-cheeked son as her gentle husband gazes on in adoration, the truth is nothing like a tidy stable set in a northern European snow globe. It is nothing like any nativity scene ever sold. The truth involves more struggle, more darkness, more oppression, more grief. The truth is a scandalous young woman sweating and groaning and straining while her older, angel-scolded husband plays clumsy midwife with hard, calloused, unclean, and splintered hands. The truth is a cave stable smelling of afterbirth and blood and manure. The truth is an exhausted virgin mother surviving her ordeal only to have her crude sanctuary invaded by coarse men from the fields come to rouse her. Strangers smelling of sheep barging into her makeshift birthing room on the invitation of angels to gape at her blood, the gore of her battle, her baby. The truth is genocide, the slaughter of innocents, Egyptian exile, wandering wizards, and somehow, against all odds, joy, the joy that would change everything. As you hang your lights in these dark days, as you decorate your tree and wrap undeserved gifts for those you love, remember that what you do is rebellion, rebellion against the darkness, against joyless despair, against the slaughter of innocents, the oppression of tyrants, and the folly of bureaucrats. That is what Christmas is, and what it always has been. Joy shines brightest in darkness, and the darkness is shattered. Joy always wins. In these darkening times, may your joy be an eruption. May your Christmas cheer burn unquenchably bright. May you be raucous and bold and overflowing in your giving, never sour in your embrace of abstract truths. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Merry Christmas from New St. Andrews College. This season, Erupt. Welcome to the Stories Our Soul Food Podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. We're here. You've just heard. Do you want to set up what they just heard? Mm. You've just heard. You, yeah. You've up. just heard me and my 2 a.m. voice uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas on behalf of New St. Andrews College. Yep. And adding the tag, this season erupt at the end because it just needed a little more of a call to action. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And you're in the ad. Yeah. Well, do you want to hear, I got criticized for having, my family, for having a hipster trad aesthetic. <laughs> like a trad hipster, traditional hipster aesthetic. And I thought. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me just comment because you do. Yeah. I thought but, guilty as charged. <laughs> but not really. I mean, like you have a Northwest aesthetic. Right. 
Uh, they accused everyone of acting like they're in Gap commercials. What they didn't know is these were all real events with zero actors. Yep. That's fun. Very funny. I we actually we funny. actually are just that picturesque. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys didn't know out there that Gap bases multiple of its campaigns on our aesthetic here in the inland northwest. Just outside of Helmer, Idaho, where everyone <laughs> cuts their Christmas trees, <laughs> Gap shows up once yearly. <laughs> once yearly to say, hey, does anyone have a minivan for this for this shot? <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going to use a Land Rover. We're going to use, let's use a Honda. Was it a Honda? Yep. Odyssey. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. Uh, it is It is really funny when, when people do that. I, I have heard something similar about the, um, whatever it was, come and welcome. Is that the... Or come and see. Yeah, come and see. The come and see. Doc. Sorry for getting that wrong. My yeah. uh, my niece's hard work on that doc where people are just like, I just so want this to be true, but I'm sure this is false. There's way too many happy children. I'm like, ha <laughs> um, Yeah, no, it is. It's a lot of hard work to have a well-tended community farm. Yeah. Like a people farm. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's, it is real. It's like when people see like a tamed wilderness, like they're faking this. The wilderness mm-hmm. cannot be tamed. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it can be. Yeah. So uh, that ad, I like a lot. Me too. It was so that, that NSA Christmas ad is, it's one of those things that I occasionally do where I work on um, marketing, um, not just for NSA, but for any clients. I've done it for clients kind of all around everywhere. Um, and a lot of times it's consulting or a little bit of scripting or script doctoring. I've done some crisis management uh, where some of the, the statements that you might see um, out in the world mm-hmm. from public figures may have had a, a writer involved. Um, so I, ha- I have like some narrative positioning, marketing hands in, lo- in lots of different areas of the Western world. Yeah. And one of those things is dropping the occasional ad for new st andrews yeah so this one they wanted a christmas greeting and that's what they got yeah it's so very merry yeah it's it very is. merry and bright <clears throat> it's good it's good it makes me happy because christmas is fantastic it's the best uh it's it's the best ever and all you who don't give gifts this is the year to break your the chains off your horrible souls. Yeah. And, Retail's and do down everywhere. So the sales are going to be crazy. It's a good time to jump in. Yeah. Jump in, jump in and give. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are we, is that what we're talking about today? Is yeah. Advent, actually, Advent, uh, yeah. there was, there was a, uh, what number is this by the way? SAS. Oh, you know, I haven't checked. Uh, we're still in the nineties. We're, we're, we're not at episode hundred We'll make yet. sure we highlight 99 and hundred. Okay. So we don't I need the, the timpani, so. the, the timpani and the symbols. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any Christmas listen that you do? What what music do you hit at Christmas time? I let my kids curate now. Um, oh, nice. I'm going to, my son's in New York and my wife and I are hoping if I'm able to with work, uh, my wife is going out there for sure. And I am going to try to, to bounce out and uh, we're going to go to uh, the Messiah with him in Manhattan. Oh, wow. Before flying, like before he mm-hmm. comes back home for Christmas. Um, and so that's the Messiah is like peak, like for me, it's, it's way up there. And then right after that is Amy Grant's Tennessee Christmas. <laughs> like <it's>, so <laughs> he's not a snob. Yeah. It's like, this it's, is hipster trad. Those, right? <laughs> yeah, those, those two. Uh, yeah. And as a side note, hipster trad, it's so funny 
that trad can be applied yeah. to hip, hipster now. Um, yep. You know, I, I remember when the New York Times magazine tried to take a, well, people were trying to take hits at my dad forever, but um, when they took a, a shot at my dad in print, and it was actually the overall article was not bad, mm. uh, but early on they described him as looking more like a lumberjack than a pastor. Even when he wears a suit. Yeah, That's even when he wears a suit. And it's like, <laughs> correct. This is yeah. the Pacific Northwest. We do live in the wilds. I have seen timber wolves in my driveway. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I saw that one when I was in town, like in like downtown. I lived you know, basically a block from downtown. And there was a wolf in my drive, in my right in my street where my and all the people out there saying it was probably a coyote. Guys, we live yeah. in Idaho. It's not a coyote. I know the difference between uh, an animal that looks like you could kill it by kicking it, mm -hmm. and an animal that starts stalking me because yeah. it knows it can take me and it's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know where the 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 humped shoulder is way up there. It's a really high shoulder and. Lots of power. You know, it's got the head, a head like a small horse. You know, it's like it's massive paws. Um, yeah, I, long, I remember long sliding legs. with all my friends, sledding down a hill. And at the bottom, a coyote had been stuck in a fence and the farmer came out and shot it while we were all sledding. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's coyote. That's where, uh, yeah, exactly. Stuck in the fence, shoot it. Yeah. Uh, I was on an ATV with my daughter uh, last fall and we were bombing around our farm fields and you know, near the magic light, like it's just so much fun to get up on those elevations and enjoy like massive panoramic, you know, light and views. And we kind of have our back to the mountain and they're looking out over the, the Palouse prairies, you know, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But we came over a hilltop and down in the draw below us, kind of tucked away one hill over from our house, there were all these deer, like just so many deer. and big bucks and you know it was mm. just a mine's like wow like right right here and one very large black wolf stalking them wow. it's like this is a you know a quarter mile from my living room yeah and you know it was huge <laughs> and <laughs> and it's just creeping um you know it was it was downwind and creeping in on all these deer and as we as we like rose over the hill, everybody hears the ATV, right? And all the deer turn, and they all turn and see, and then they, you know, it's like they start to go. The wolf takes off, and I just open the throttle, and she and I just chase this wolf like through. Uh, I opened the throttle up completely, you know. So I was at max speed. I was at around forty going downhill, like I was going forty miles an hour going downhill, coming on this big black wolf, and it was just dusting us. Wow. Like it just, I mean, it was just gone. Like I hung, I hung with it for a while. I hung with it in sight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, but it was pulling away with ease. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it was just, you know, so by the time we lost sight of it, like we went from being a couple hundred yards from it when we came onto it, you know, it's like when we startled it to like, I had a downhill angle. It had this uphill angle out of the draw and I was racing down this slope as it was racing kind of up and out and by the time we both exited and i was hoping to like get a real good look at this thing um it was just i mean it was half a mile away from us like it was just like barely at a head start i'm the one with the internal combustion engine and a downhill slope 
and we were cooking. And I was actually thinking like, I'm going a little fast uh, for having my daughter, yeah. you know, w- with me right now. And I'm, I mean, I maxed out at, at, at that moment because it was through rough terrain at around 45 going straight down and it was just gone. Wow. Um, Speedy. So that's one of them. Then I also saw three of them cross my driveway right in front of me, uh, large. And then back when we lived in town, so I guess I had four wolves. Um, back when we lived in town, one was waiting by my, by my truck when I came out in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. right around 6 a.m. And it was just there in the quiet. And when it saw me, it lowered into a crouch and just started coming towards me. <laughs> and I yelled at it and whooped and it was not worried. It was not concerned. It just kind of slowly stood up because it realized it didn't have the jump on me and then just loped casually down the street. And I went in and called the cops and this is Idaho and said, Hey, there's a timber wolf, you know, on Jefferson street. <laughs> and, um, they said animal control doesn't show up for work till after lunch. So if it's still there, do what you have to <laughs> if It's still there. Give us a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is hipster trad. Mm-hmm. So what hipsters are knocking off, like the the flannel shirts and you know, like the boots, the beards, the Both the men, yeah. the men not shaving. I'm this is a Wrangler shirt, by the way. Um, the uh, like they're knocking off something, like they're they're looking for that you know, milking their own chickens vibe. But we have people who really do milk their own chickens, mm-hmm. and it's delicious. <laughs> Chicken milk is like nothing you've ever tasted, literally. <laughs> uh anyway all that to say the hipster trad thing is authentic yeah there's a there there are the headwaters lumberjack headwaters of the northwest Mm -hmm. where we all kind of live in the blast radius of that aesthetic we just do and so yeah it gets imitated yeah lots of places that's funny well we're heading into advent and you know a nice merry christmas greeting but recently some guy lyman stone on twitter I don't know who he is, but... Uh, Are we like, supposed to? I don't know. Should okay. We? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, he's a Lutheran who stirred up some controversy by saying, uh, talking about Noah. And so I thought this would be a perfect time to talk about how you condense mm. characters as many people are working through their Advent Jesse trees. Um, how right. do you talk about characters? So what he said is the 2014 film, Noah, you know, wasn't too bad because number one, it treated the flood like a horror story. Right. And number two, it made Noah seem like kind of a bad person, which he probably was in order to be the kind of person who, you know, could lock his neighbors outside and listen to them scratching on the outside of the ark and get out of the ark 300 days. Those, those later. are thick walls. I don't I don't think we would have heard them scratching. Mm. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, so, let's. So I thought I thought, you know, half of that sounded like <coughs> what you would say that, yeah, the ark massive destruction lots of bodies if they weren't covered by mud when you got out of the ark um let me let me just a recent conversation uh with one of, with my kids um and the in this conversation we were talking about uh contemporary believers who are friends you know we i yep. work with them they know them my son knows them in you know in school like people just general believers and one of the things that general believers do you know the believers from generica the united states of generica um they love to to dismiss things as the old testament Mm -hmm. or that was a different culture that was a different time yeah and like just backhand it and say we like the virtues of right now 
are binding on the past. Like holiness now looks exactly like holiness then. So we can go back and say, man, they were very unholy. Mm. What, what do we get to say about Noah? Yeah. Like what can we say about Noah? What we can say is his, we can talk about his incredible faith over an extended period of time. Yep. Uh, and we can talk about, yeah, he shamed himself with drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, and like then, that's, yeah. He, okay. Yeah. This is a guy who got drunk. He got drunk and shamed himself. And this guy was saying, yeah, Let me add, that he's trying to hide. He'd been through a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, had, yeah. he had things to forget. <laughs> he might have had trouble sleeping at night. Like yeah. we actually don't know the context of like what he doesn't have your little sleep aid. You can go grab from the grocery store. He doesn't have mm. like a pharmacy. He doesn't have doctors to go talk about his, his uh, food intolerances. He doesn't have any of that. He can't. Like, there's no infrastructure of self-pity and self-identity or anything mm-hmm. else. So none of us medication. Yeah, none of us can even begin to get on a high horse about Noah. You know, it's like right there. Yeah. You know, it's this is one of those things where in my house, the prescriptions we have for a wide variety of things, you know, muscle relaxants and migraine medication like yeah very 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 expensive migraine medication all sorts of other things they had at that time especially post flood without you know the any of the pharmacaea out of the potion mixing of the the previously the obliterated society yeah they had fermentation Mm -hmm. that was it so for for us to look back and say "Mm," you know I, I don't know about this. I like that's that's pretty terrible that he got drunk. It's like, you know what? He shouldn't have. He shamed himself. His shame was real. And yet, it's like we even that is the only thing we're given with Noah. The only thing we see with Noah that he did wrong was he shamed himself there. Yeah. Um Yeah. And that's it. So to say he was a bad Peter, dude. Second Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. And then yeah. he's got a big old section in Hebrews eleven. Did he or did he not save civilization? Yeah. Yes. He's one of the few people that you can say in yeah. history has by himself saved the world. Yep. Like the world. Every animal you see on like every bird, every animal you see is here because Noah saved like saved all the animals. Noah saved all the people. Noah saved the world. Yeah. And the way Hebrews talks about too is is not just that he was slavishly following this direct command from God, but Hebrews talks about as God gave him a warning of what was mm-hmm. coming and Noah had faith to save his household and move yeah. forward. A very active, yep. productive. So, so if we go through and we go through and we find those people you really like, you know, those different heroes that you're like, yeah, man, he was great. Or mm-hmm. boy, Esther, Esther's fantastic. Oh yeah. She seduced a married man and slept with him. <laughs> you cool with that? Like I would, would, would any modern pastor have the nerve to say on, on a blog that actually Esther was probably not a good chick. Yeah. You know, she's actually probably pretty terrible. Because she because had to, she was a slut. She had to make the king want her in yeah. order to become. And then he, the she had to. She then had to let the king have her. Right. So she was a slut. I mean, all of yeah. Right. 
It's like, so everybody would be like, oh, you can't, don't slut shame any woman ever. Mm-hmm. Like, let alone, you know, somebody so perfect as Esther. Now, I happen to really admire Esther and she's one of the great heroes. She saved her people. Yeah. She sacrificed herself to save her people. That is honored by God and God used it. Noah saved all people, yeah. like all people. Yeah. Noah had the faith to do it. So anybody who wants to throw shade, I mean, like, go look in the mirror, dude. Like, what have, what have you ever done? Mm-hmm. Like, what have you ever done? So the move of saying Noah was probably very, I mean, you can imagine some serious problem, psychological stuff he had to work through. I can imagine that he was human. Yeah. Like, I know he was human and he was fallen. Yeah. And I know he was a complete hard ass who was wildly stubborn in his faith working in one direction over time for longer than any of us will be alive yes for like working in one farcical direction yep like for longer than we'll live he did that big boat middle of and because he did that we have existed yeah as you know have all living things so whether or not he had what like you know there's times when this is kind of like Saying, you know, I bet the, the, those first Marines probably had some toxic masculinity back in World War II. I'm like, oh, you think? Like, they were, they were men for the moment. They were the right, right. men for the moment. And their, even their vices were the right vices for that moment. Yeah. You know, the first Congressional Medal of Honor winner who was in Guadalcanal, um, they, they found him. Uh, he'd been told not to retreat. They found him in the morning. He'd burned off all the skin with his own machine gun barrel, uh, burned off all the skin of his forearms because the guy who was supposed to be helping him with the gun had died and he had just continued to barehand it the whole time. Then he'd gone all the way down to small arms fire. Then he'd gone down to his bayonet and they found him with 3,000 dead Japanese like in front of his position. So you take a guy like that and you say, did he have any problems? It's like, "Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing that dude had some, you know, he might not have been a great listener at the kitchen table. It's possible that afterwards he drank a little too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this is yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. What on earth is the point yeah. of, of bringing those little quibbles when he is like put himself on the altar to that extent? Like, don't try to diminish like the work and the glory of what yeah. he's done by the fact that he paid, he had, consequences afterwards or that he was uniquely equipped to do it yeah. with his his personality so somebody would be like well maybe he was autistic you know just like you're not leaving he, this is it he's just not gonna so okay still a great man yeah. like doesn't it yeah. just doesn't matter yeah um it's really really uh it's really terrible so postulate with me that uh esther liked it liked being queen that she the, liked the seducing the king. Seducing the Let's king, say yeah. she liked the attention. Yeah. So? Like, like that's uh, <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> you know, okay. and that, like, Esther was sacrificing herself in a very unique context to save her people, God's people. And she did. She succeeded. Noah was sacrificing his entire life to save the world. And there's a very short list of people who just straight up saved yeah. the world. I mean, I think we also assume that them saving the world, it's like the hindsight is is so 2020 on this that we think, oh, well, Esther was going to save the world, so it's too bad she had to do it this way. But she was that close to getting hung on a giant yeah. scaffold by her enemies. Yep. <laughs> no, the stakes there were 
incredible. Yeah. And the Christians are not willing to see the real story. They're not willing to get in there. They try to keep her pure. They want to like preserve her purity. And it's this weird beauty contest. Um, it was, it was a much larger sacrifice than that. Like her, yeah. her level of sacrifice, her level of risk and her level of sacrifice yeah. were way bigger than yeah. that. And so when, when people do this, I mean, a, that's right in the text too, because they all became concubines after that one night when, so, I mean, it's, it's, yep. you're not making stuff up or reading no. the story here. That's, that's text. it. It's text. Like this is, <laughs> this is it. Um, so Ruth is, the, is similar. Like mm -hmm. Boaz definitely thought that he slept with her, whether or not he did sleep with her. Uh, we don't know. Like it's you mean after she uncovered his feet? Yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. and he wakes up with a chick. Uh, he got drunk like Noah. Yeah, and then he did the right thing, believing himself to have been immoral. Um, it's like okay, so she kind of tricked him. Now, what we like to do is just project all sorts of morality, like all all sorts of morality into that moment. Like we like to baptize it, sanctify it, make it glisten. Um, and Boaz was a noble man. He was a noble yeah. man. He was a great man. Well, at the Ruth very, was a faithful woman. She was extremely yeah. faithful. But I mean, at the very least, she used that sexual impropriety as a lever to help correct. Drive so this. imagine a noble man now. Yeah, uh, a good, like good guy, good guy in the church. You know, believe like he wakes up. He wakes up in bed next to a woman. Yeah. Like that's what he's processing. Yeah. Like he wakes up, you know, with a woman under his arm, right? You know, and he and he's in a uh, state of undress. It's like okay, <laughs> like <laughs> this is what's happened. He then does all the noble things after that, and Ruth is the one who put him into that vulnerable position. A noble guy. Yeah, she like got she's in, she got in bed. <laughs> yeah, she did that now. Um, I don't think there's any reason in the text to think that they slept together. Like, I don't think we can say that like we can say with Esther. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, he sure thought so. He, he's like, this is sexually improper. Right. It was the very least, it was very improper for him to have defiled her. So Yeah, he said, don't that, let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. That's yep. straight out of Ruth too. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So in that, uh, in that context... Uh, we see her acting in a certain way, and we think, "Man, what kind of, what kind of woman is that?" Yeah, it's like a fantastic woman, one of the, one of the mothers of the Messiah. Like she's fantastic. Like that's that's all we need to do is like honor her, see it honestly, but don't like whitewash yourself and think that you get to sit, you know, sit in the judgment seat over these Old Testament saints. Yeah, uh, Christ does, and you right. do not. Like yeah, it's not, I mean, we get to read the stories and we get yeah. to try to learn from them, but I keep coming back to Hebrews 11 and there's no, there's no judgment. There's only, they received their commendation for what they did. I think that's the language that Jephthah, uses. anyone? Yeah. Jephthah bothers a lot of people. For sacrificing his daughter. Yep. <laughs> Just that little thing. But uh, what list does he end up in? Uh, is, he, is he in, which one is he? Is he in, no, the, he's, he's, yeah, is he in he's, the Hebrews 11 too? He's, he's honored. He's yeah. honored in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Gideon set up. Side uh, note, I don't think he actually sacrificed his daughter in the way that we think. Right. Um, I think she was a, became a nun functionally. Yeah. Lost her virginity, but not her life. Right. We're sorry. Rephrase. Never lost her virginity. Because <laughs> <laughs> she mourned yeah. her virginity. Yeah. She that's, mourned, that's she mourned she, her virginity. Yeah. yeah. And she, I think she was given into, into holy service.
Right. Uh, okay, but that reminds me, the second thing this guy was saying, so he wants to tell the story truly, understand what it would be right. like to have the whole world die, but right. then wants to judge Noah right? And, and say, the point is that Noah's not a good guy. Christ is the only good guy. That's, okay. that's the move so, they want to do. Yeah, if as, as long as you're saying he's a fallen human, obviously. Sure, he sinned a lot of times. But where I really couldn't get he on He worked board, on that boat for a long time. Do you know how many bad words he said? Anybody who's been involved in construction. Hammer, thumb. <laughs> yeah. How, how many naughty expletives came out of Noah's mouth? How many times was he frustrated, angry? How many times did he think about giving up? All of these temptations. Yeah, he's a normal, he's a human. Mm -hmm. And yet he still ran the race to the finish and saved the world. So despite all the flaws, despite all the temptations, he still achieved through faith and through faith and, and like faith believed and faith worked out. He achieved the goal in the end. And we cannot like say, oh, but by the way, he wasn't Jesus. Like we, we know that. Yeah. He was saved by Jesus. He was faithful. Yeah. Uh, he was faithful in service of Yahweh. Like he like this faithfulness right. um was yeah, real. Well, this reminds me because the next follow-up, he's reading Advent stories to his children, the same guy in, in the the Bible. He said, I Are we appreciate picking on this guy unkindly? Like I've not read anything. Let's just this, add a caveat and say, I don't know. The this every guy. man. The every he, man. Yeah, okay. Um, also, if you tweet to hundreds of thousands of followers, I oh, feel like that's He's got hundreds of thousands of followers? Tens of thousands? I think okay. a lot. I can check. Okay. Then I don't feel bad. Right. But then following up, a children's Bible that then says, starts out the story of Jacob by saying, Jacob is not a very good person. Right. right? And, and that seems to be the takeaway for these Christmas stories is, is, oh, we don't want you to deceive like Jacob. Don't imitate the heroes. Because you're reading to your, your, yeah, you're reading to your four-year-old and Jacob lies. <laughs> the next time, the next time somebody tries to take all your stuff, like the next time somebody tries to rob you and also bring massive guilt upon himself, mm -hmm. by all means, lie to him. How's that? That's what you tell your children. That's great. Prevent that from happening. Because he got it from yeah. his brother. His brother had traded it to him. Yeah, right? but, but also more than that, his father was told. Mm, yeah. he, his father was told the older, the older shall serve the younger. And his father was fighting that. His, his father loved Bigfoot, Esau. His father loved his <laughs> Sasquatch son. He did not like his normally skinned son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the smooth man. <laughs> um, and red, it's, red incidentally, too, and, right? yeah, and just let, 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 me, let me just say that people think, oh, he was like slimy, he's greasy, the smooth man. It's like, okay, the contrast is his brother where a goat, like goat skin was a successful, <laughs> like, yeah. was a successful imitation of, you know, of Esau. Like that was a hairy, hairy man. Uh, and I mean, he so, got the name right when he came out. I, yeah. I, if I'm remembering correctly, yep. it's because he's red, so, red furred as a baby. Then so you have, then you have Jacob. But so Esau was this, you know, passionate, crazy hunter, uh, very strong. Their father loved them both, and their father's supposed to give the blessing to Jacob. the mm. The older is supposed to serve the younger. This this has been commanded. This is there, and so that that flip. When, when Isaac is saying, never mind, I'm going to, I'm going to disobey the Lord. I'm going to give, uh, you know, I'm going to give the birthright to Esau. I'm going to give the blessing to Esau. Mm. And Jacob 
successfully prevents that derailment, that disobedience. So his father attempts disobedience. Yeah. Um, and Jacob prevents that. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that reminds me because then in so Hebrews why, 11. So why on earth pick on that guy? Like we can get on Isaac's case. Yeah. You can get on Isaac's case for disobeying God, but why get on Jacob for preventing his father from successfully disobeying God, keeping his father only attempting disobedience? And then in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So the fact is, Jacob actually got his dad into the Hebrews yeah. 11 list for properly blessing. For successfully blessing. By tricking him. Yep. And yeah. so we have, yeah. we have these stories and it's like, well, Jacob was a little bit shady. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. And he did what he had to do. And it was yeah. significantly less than what Esther had to do. Yeah. It was it does seem like significantly a- less than what Tamar had to do. Do you think there's a change in Jacob, though, at the Bethel moment when he makes that oath? It does seem like there's some some growth as he goes as no, a character. No, ab- absolutely. As well. There's character growth. I mean, sanctification is real. Yeah. So he starts to. Yeah, he, he grows. Yeah. But, his first promise to God at, at the, but if the you look ladder at, is, is. But quite you look a at his different. handling, but you also look at his handling of his sons. Um, yeah. And it's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think that he grows, but he's still uh, very much, like, very much the man, the same man, even in old age. The sibling rivalry to him is just a way of life. Yeah. Which is a pretty significant level. Yeah, so the thing is, you think about Jacob, and you think about his, what he went through with his brother, and then you think about his inability to prevent that in his own sons. Like, that right there is like, oh, that, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Like where you have sons who are ready to murder, some sons are ready to murder one of their brothers. Others are chickens, and like you know what, let's sell them into slavery, and tell our dad he was he was killed. Like you have raised that brood, yeah. like that's the brood, and you did it as one who understood more than almost anyone else how brutal that kind of sibling, how brutal paternal favoritism was, and also sibling yeah. rivalries. Yeah. So he had, I think, I think Jacob. Now, this is, I, I look at this and I say, I, I will defend Jacob where everybody likes to pick on him. I think he's the hero of the story there. Yeah. But later on where his flaws work their way out is the sins of the father are visited to him. Like mm. he, ha- he sins in the same way yeah. that Isaac was sinning. Mm. Now, he does, he does, it's not exact because he is favoring the correct sons. Like- yeah. You know, it's kind of a weird, it's weird. Well, Unlike, I wonder if the prophecy there, actually, he leaned in to that prophecy of the bowing sheaves, yeah. you know, the sun, moon, and stars, and the bowing sheaves. I wonder if he allowed that to drive some of his parenting choices. No, he's... Sure, in, but yeah, I mean, okay, so here, here's here's the thing. Um, and this, we can get into some mistranslation of scripture. The coat of many colors was not a thing. Okay. Um, there's no technicolor dream coat. I've heard it's coat of palms, as technical in Hebrew, but I don't know what that means. So I've been in talking to, uh, well, my, my brother-in-law who studied uh, Hebrew at Oxford, his Oxford professor, uh, what I was told is coat of long sleeves. Mm. Um, and what, like, whatever, that would be the best thing. And that is a, basically the coat of long sleeves is a symbol of authority. Hmm. And so like the issue there is I think, I think that Jacob is trying, he's, he's doing, uh, He's doing the thing Isaac wouldn't do, which he is just going to the, the younger brother. Like, here's a younger brother, and I'm going to give him 
the sign of authority. I'm giving this to him in public. I'm doing all these things. Um, but he does it with a, a sort of ignorance of what's going to happen, hmm. like outworking of that. So while he, while he has this insider knowledge on paternal favoritism and uh, sibling rivalries, he tries to avoid what his father did by just bestowing that authority publicly and in the way he like he believes he's supposed to right yeah and he didn't so make he, fun of it at first i think i think it remembers his yeah dad. at the beginning so, he was like Pfft. so he but he gives the coat of long sleeves to joseph or the technicolor dream coat or the coat of palms but i think the thing that mattered about it was not that he got a special present but that the coat symbolized rule mm. and authority so he's wearing a sign of the air he's wearing um you know, this, the sign of authority and the older brothers are ticked off about that. And really buck on. So that. he believes himself to be missing, like dodging what his dad did. Mm -hmm. But in his attempted dodge, he fuels massive, you know, massive, massive sibling rivalry with that paternal favoritism. Mm -hmm. So because of the way he navigated it now, did he place the code on the right person? He did. Unlike Isaac, like he did do that, mm -hmm. but he did not successfully father his older sons through that mm. um and i think that that right there that move is um what people assume they see in the story of david with jesse and is not the case but we tend to just read the stories in light of each other and we just find one pattern and we try to like imitate the pattern so here's a younger brother who is has older older brothers who are mad at him it's like oh we've seen that before yeah. so we assume it's jesse loves him more and he favors him and all this kind of stuff and it's just a yeah. different story but the same story of brothers and the younger and uh -huh. like God's telling a similar story about the younger. Same story as Jacob. Uh -huh. Same story as Joseph. Same story. And as, Joseph's kids. Yeah. Ephraim and Manasseh. Yep. yep. And same story as David. He's he's telling the same the same story. But um, the details aren't the all details the same. and the patterns, the exact patterns, the plot patterns are not are not the same. The motivations of characters are not the same. Yeah. So anyway, Jacob was a good dude. Yeah. But if you want to actually like identify where he messed up and learn from it. Like look there. Don't look back at when he's getting what was rightly his and yeah. what, you know, and what yeah. God, like what God had commanded his father to do or his stuff with Laban. People seem to be very oh, upset gosh. with how he treated Laban when clearly <laughs> Laban's the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we have these horrible predispositions to like, once we peg a character as a character, we don't like, Yeah, like we try to read every narrative you know, with him being the unlikable character, like through all of his, yeah. all of his adventures. And it's just not. And we feel bad for Leah. I think, yeah. I think we, you know. I that, do. That sympathetic character. You. I feel bad for Leah. Yeah. Um, then, I think we should. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, she was down apparently. Um, yeah. She was down for the trick. And it is, it is kind of funny that the trickster got tricked. Yeah. <laughs> you is. know that's when so, i got one of the great lines in all of the i think what was it there in the morning it was leah <laughs> behold ta-da yeah yeah it's like okay speaking of drinking too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh theme. speaking of self-medication right so A patriarchal theme and yeah anyway yeah so as when you're when you're reading these advent stories how did did you guys do jesse tree at all no no, you just no. We're not, you just not, did the Bible. You yeah, we <laughs> we talked through a lot of stories, a lot of storytelling. Uh, but yeah, we never we never had the Jesse Tree thing. Mm. I'm not opposed to it. It's just 
we we talked a lot and in depth about a lot of these different you know a lot of these different characters yeah i i find it's helpful for to get you talking about it regularly you know because the repeated the repeated questions you know they come up and then you remember hey this kid actually hasn't heard this story before and then you're working yeah. your way through it so yeah we cover it again the other, the other thing is you're covering it with your kids like i could think oh yeah we've talked about this but when we did my upper teenagers my 18 and 19 year old were they were 12 and 13 mm-hmm. you know it's like and I'm like, oh yeah, we've talked about this, but their little brother and so on, like they were they were younger, but even their 13, 14, 12, 13 minds have now matured quite a bit. And so you need to kind of lay it back down right. and continue to cover it. And obviously they need to be reading this the Bible on their own, but have but have trained their lenses, trained their sympathies to break in in great ways. And I actually to call back to finish my thought earlier that I got distracted from, uh, when you're talking to contemporary believers who want to say uh, Ephesians was written into a different culture. Like that's a different culture, different time. Uh, Old Testament was different. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, no, I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to listen to that. And that's their, me- their mechanism is that's yeah. not for me. Cause I don't live then. Well, the one I heard is that when the Bible calls Noah righteous, it's righteous for his time. Yeah, exactly. Relative righteousness. Yeah. Um, and that's the assumption that our virtue now, that's back to our virtue now is uh, more pristine. And that's just false. So would God rather you have never gotten drunk ever, uh, but not have the faith of Noah? Like that, that faith of Noah? Or, or would it be better for you ever? You've never had the faith of Noah ever <laughs> at any point in your life. Or would it be better? Is, is Noah actually a better character than you? In that he had a much deeper, more profound faith, and yeah, he was he shamed himself with wine after the flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't possibly say that I'm a superior character. Right. That I I couldn't even begin. And no, I've never been drunk. So I've never been drunk in my life. And Noah had, <laughs> but you know what else I hadn't done? <laughs> <laughs> Save the world. I hadn't lived with the boat you built out of your yeah your yeah. I have I hadn't lived in one direction. Like so, with absolute profound faithful stubbornness, like the the stubbornness that that originates in uh, a sure confidence in the will of God, I have not ever matched him there. Yeah, like so that like to be to even consider myself vaguely his equal, I think I'm not even in the same conversation with a guy like that. Uh, and yeah, and I can say over here I can tick a box and say, but he got drunk. Mm, yeah. It's like, that's a silly way to, it's like, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. He did. And he probably said some rude things. Then it's mm. like, you know, I've said fewer rude things and it's because I didn't live as long. <laughs> 600 <laughs> and, years. And, you know, it's, um, but anyway, I think one, one of the things that you can do to help yourself and, and understand that for any of you listening who have any dislike of any of the old Testament characters or ever have any kind of impulse to, push things into the past. I can just say, that's not for me. Uh, give yourself a time machine. If you want to know where your real affections are, just, just imagine yourself getting a time machine and go back to Ephesus and tell them all to submit to their husbands. Yeah. Cause it is for them. Like that was for them. Right. So go, go to into that culture and command all those women to submit to their husbands the way, the way Paul does. Yeah. Can you do that? Like, do, do those words, like, do you choke you when they, they come out? 
Um, well, that's a good test. Can you go back into the time of Moses and say amen when they're stoning someone? Can you stand there in the wilderness and, and help collect rocks when an adulteress is being stoned? Yeah. You know, right. when a homosexual is being stoned? I mean, like yeah. back then, I'm not, it's one of those things where Christians are so quick to say, I don't, I don't believe that now. And no, I, I don't believe. I know. Like, and, th- and thank goodness. Thank but goodness, also, the, thank goodness, you know, it's like we are, we live in a different time. We do live in a different time. And Christ has come and there has been a sacrifice. There has been capital punishment. So it's not to say that homosexuality doesn't deserve death. Every single homosexual will die. They're all mortal. Every one of them will die. And when they die, none of them will be able to say, I didn't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And neither can I. I'm going to die. And when I die, I won't right. be able to say, I didn't deserve this. All of us are going to get what we deserve. We're all going to die. Now, in, in the actual, uh, this is back to Christmas, in the actual public square, in the, in the judiciary, there was a capital punishment. There was an execution of an innocent victim who took the blame. So there has been a physical capital punishment. And you have to realize that the reason why we're not trying to, nobody wants to get back to Mosaic law is because of the cross. Yeah. Like it's because of that crucifixion. So if you go back, uh, you go back in time and you told Moses, hey, you don't need to stone this guy because he's, he's been executed in, in Christ. Like in the future, he's been executed in Christ. It's like, well, that's a, that's a tough jump right there. Right there, Moses is obeying the law he's been given. And he's obeying the law and obedience is good and righteous. So can you go back there to that time and that moment in history and say, amen, can you, can you pick up the rocks? Like, can you pick up the rocks to stone somebody who picked up sticks on the Sabbath? Can you like knowing what's coming? Yeah. Would you go be a revolutionary there? Or would you actually say for this time, this is actually, this is actually the law. This is actually holiness. Yeah. And it's not fake holiness because I have virtue from the future and I'm going to come back and judge it. It is crude, primitive. It's going, it's going to mature and it's going to be fulfilled in the cross. Like it's going, that's going to happen over thousands of years. But back then, um, you know, back then, can you actually say amen? And what you'll realize is when people can't, when they just can't, they couldn't possibly imagine, uh, supporting, uh, David dinging the babes on the craggies. Uh, they can't imagine genocide of the Amalekites. They can't imagine something like that being good at the, like being good there. Then they, they're showing that their loyalties and their affections are to their times, not to God. Yeah. Like to their, to the scruples of their times. Yeah. So no, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. It's very different than David shouldn't do that. Or David shouldn't have done that. Or Moses right. shouldn't have done that. Um, and we do need to try to find those things that do apply to us now that actually bind us as well. Uh, but you can reveal people's uh, virtue loyalties really, really quickly with a time machine, a little bit of storytelling. Mm. So, you know, I happen to hold to one interpretation of the New Testament and all Paul's epistles, and I believe they're binding in my life, and this is instruction I should be obeying. And a friend of mine could be like, nope. That's just for the first century, the second century. And my question is always, where's the line? When did it stop? Like, when did that line stop? And if we went and stood there and you heard Paul teaching this to women, would you say, yep, 
amen. That's that's the right medicine for the moment. Or would you be hemming and hawing? Yeah, just would the you same? be hemming and hawing exactly the same way? And it, re- it re- all it does is reveal um, what I've said before when we talk about the nature of proof and so on is that we assume our positions, we take our positions via affection, mm-hmm. and then we defend them with logic. We don't find our positions with logic. It's affection first, and then logic afterward. So as as we read the Advent story, as we try to like tell the story honestly to our kids, all of these stories don't sentimentalize any of them. Like, yeah. And that's tricky because you just said you want your kids to be affectionate, like have affection yeah. for the characters in the Bible. Yep. But don't True sympathy. Do, don't do that by making them fake children's Bible level. Yeah. So don't uh, don't like coat them in in cream cheese frosting. Yeah. Like don't try to make it all sugary sweet. It's not sentimental for the Noah's Ark story. It's actual affection. Right? Yeah. So And so sentimentality tends to show up uh more extremely in in the christmas story than anywhere else because it's a baby Mm. you know (laughs) yeah it's a way in the manger yeah like there we go um and because that sentimentality shows up there it's like you it's hard to see the real story that's why kicking back to the video the audio the one that you did at the beginning you went out of your way to try to highlight yeah some of the gross parts of the christmas story so animal feces yeah you're in Um, a stable yeah. We all know that. What or afterbirth, right? What is in this is the least hygienic place you could be doing this. It's the most unclean. And and Christ is this cleaning agent. And so one of the big changes that we see from the old to the New Testaments is that uh in the Old Testament, you lepers are sent outside. Uh any bit of yeast makes the whole house unclean. Like we have to like get it out, you know, during Passover. It's gotta be all the way out. Yeah. Um None of that. And then in the New Testament, we're told to be the yeast. Like yeah. there's there's this flip where it's like, okay, so now you are the pollutant. Like you are the thing and you go pollute the world with yeah. light. Uh, you you go, and that begins at Christmas, the invasion of light and the invasion of light into unclean places. Then it begins in an unclean place, in an unclean moment. Or immediately on the heels, there's genocide. Like there's immediate genocide on on the heels of this uh, birth because the wise men can't keep their mouth shut. Um, yeah, not so wise in my opinion. It's really funny. They're classic. They're classic. Like, uh, well, I mean, astrologers. Huh? You know them. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like these uh, beautiful mind guys who've read the stars and they show up to the king and like, hey, where's the new king? <laughs> like. Yeah, basic you human. You yeah, everyone knows you don't ask. You, they basically have no social skills. Yeah, like these the magi have no social skills, but boy, could they read the heavens! Mm. <laughs> it's like it's, which I think is pretty fantastic. You yeah. know, it's like it's those are real characters that we can you know yeah. we can envision. I mean, so the that, one that showed up with the funeral stuff, you know, to the baby gift, act of faith, but also yeah, it's like whoo, <laughs> <laughs> save the so, myrrh till later. Yeah, like okay, uh, I brought my embalming kit. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, for when boy. he dies. Because it's here. <laughs> yeah. You know, later. Yeah. Um, so you have this genocide. You have Rachel weeping. You know, you've got the slaughter of all these babies. You know, like you have massive uncleanness Incidentally, and darkness. Incidentally, your dad's song, Let All the Stars oh, yeah. in the Skies Give Praise. Such a good Christmas It's a good, song. such a good one. Yeah. Um, because it does include, you know, the whole context of this yeah. dark, dark oppression that light entered. And so you have this, the light enters a stable, not because it's cutesy. It's not cute. 
Yeah. You know, it's like there would have been cute moments, but the cute moments would have been wild incongruities. Mm-hmm. Like they would have been, you know, wildly incongruous for the surroundings, for the setting, for the risk, for everything else that was happening. You have a nation that has been conquered, that is under a, a satanic empire, under the rule of a satanic empire. You've got this little regional king who's, you know, just an absolute piece of work. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to end, like this is all going to go to a beheading of John the Baptist, a crucifixion. Like there's genocide in the middle, mm-hmm. there's exile. You're like there's all these different like gnarly aspects of the story as the light begins to invade as the yeast enters and the yeast begins the the subversion and the reversal of of the way holiness and cleanness works in the old covenant it was always the holy clean thing was so fragile it was so there's so much fragility anything could make it unclean you touch a dead person it's unclean Spit. You touch a leper, you spit makes yeah. it unclean. Yeah. It's like you're unclean, you're unclean, you're unclean. You're on your period, you're unclean. It's just you're unclean, you're unclean, you're unclean. And then there's the woman who's never stopped bleeding, touches Christ and is made clean. Everything flips. So nothing that touches him makes him unclean. It always goes the other direction. It breaks yeah. the other direction. Starts Christmas Day and from then on he can he can touch corpses, he's touching lepers, and it begins to invade out. So now all of our like all of our sins really are infected. Like our natures are infected with light, infected the other direction. Um, and it's all pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. And so then it's super easy for us, having been affected by that, by that light, and also by the, the falsehoods of our own era, to look back at the Old Testament in some kind of judgy way. Yeah. You know, which is just stupid. Yeah. You Instead, know, look for how God's moving and positioning and getting the light, the stage ready for the light. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, my, my grandfather on my dad's side um, spent some time living in a chicken coop in Nebraska. That's how poor they were. Like the family was in a chicken coop. That was the only shelter they could find. Wow. And it, it's kind of like me looking back on that and saying, oh, so poor, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah you know it's like oh and i've been given more like i've been given more and i'm downstream i'm going to look back at them and mock them or criticize them for mm. living in a chicken coop that's oh gross come on yeah. guys yeah sure you could have done better than that yeah um yeah, that's just nonsense reminds me of <laughs> that's too random too Let's random it. <laughs> do it do it do it brian <laughs> uh oh i'm gonna actually have to leave do it yeah, quickly we got time no, no. Next time, we'll save it for next time. Next time, okay. We got a call too. That's On a great. Way. That's a great uh, Christmas. I'm I'm three minutes intro. late for a meeting. Well, that's the end. Of there we, the Sasp. the end. Bye. Hi, it's Brian Cole here, wanting to let you know how you can support the Stories Our Soul Food podcast. You can do that by checking out Canon Plus. Head over to mycanonplus.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Sasf podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com.